2: Episode number 25 of that one-time-on-tour is brought to you by the band Copper Bones. Copper Bones is a two-man metal-influenced hard rock band from Orlando, Florida. For more information on this superhuman rock duo, check out CopperBones.com, where you can also get a free download of their new album, Exhibit A. You can also find them on Facebook.com forward slash Copper and on Instagram, at CopperBonesFL. Now here it is, their new single, 1,000 years.
1: from voice that's fire and you're listening to that one time on tour <laughs> for the this
2: Welcome to episode number 25 of that one time on tour. As always, I'm your host, Chris Swinney, back with another stellar conversation with someone in or around the music industry. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody for checking out last week's episode with Wee Man from Jackass. It was a huge episode. We actually charted on iTunes once again. It's starting to kind of become a thing. So thank you guys so much for subscribing and for rating and reviewing on iTunes. Please, if you haven't done so, do that now. This week, I get to sit down with Mr. Nathan Gray from the band Boy Sets Fire. He was also in The Casting Out and I Am Heresy. He has a solo record out right now. He's getting ready to do some touring in the States. Currently, he is overseas in Europe. Uh, And he is a great guy. We had a wonderful conversation. We talked about movies, all kinds of good stuff. So before I let you guys listen in on my conversation with Nathan, I do need to tell you about my amazing sponsors, Muncie Music Center, right here in Muncie, Indiana, 600 South Mulberry Street. If you're local, if not, you need to go on the Internet and go to munciemusic.com. They're an amazing store. I teach guitar there and many other things as well. They have a recording studio. They're a wonderful place, so check them out and give them some love. I also need to tell you about rockabilia.com. You're not going to get away without me talking about rockabilia. They're an amazing place. They have over 500,000 unique items officially licensed by the bands, which means the bands are getting paid. The quality of the merchandise is amazing. So check out rockabilly.com. Tell them that Chris from that one time on tour sent you and at checkout, put in the promo code P C T O T O T to save 15% on your entire order. Uh, make sure that you are following us on all of the social media platforms. It's TOTOT podcast. If you want to become a sponsor or, you know, just chat with me, you can email me, TOTOT podcast at gmail.com. You can call the TOTOT hotline. thats three seven two eight eight one eight. is 1765-372-8818. And uh, that's about it. Make sure that you do please review, rate, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, fall is here, which is my favorite time of year here in Indiana. It uh, It's not 100 degrees anymore like it was last week. And uh, a lot of the cool things are happening right now. My daughter, Indy, is 11 months old and she just started walking. So that's a really big deal out there. All you dads out there know what I'm talking about. Uh, my rock and roll summer camp autumn edition, that's, that's, a, that's a mouthful, just ended on Sunday. The kids put on a great show. I want to give a shout out to Zach Blair from Rise Against and Stefan Edgerton from The Descendants for giving a little message to my kids while they were working on their songs. So thank you guys very much. Go back and listen to their episodes. Uh, they're a couple weeks back, but that's it. So I'm going to jump right now into my conversation with Mr. Nathan Gray from Boy Sets Fire. Here we go. Nathan Gray on the line from Boy Sets Fire, I Am Heresy, and The Casting Out—three amazing bands. So, how are you doing today, Nathan?
1: I'm doing all right. How are you?
2: I'm doing great, man. I, uh, I'm great. very excited to talk to you. I've been a been a big Boy Sets Fire fan for a really long time. Actually, when I tell you when I got your first record, you're gonna probably probably be pretty freaked out. <laughs> <laughs> I got uh, I got the day the sun went out in 1997 when I was a senior in high school, and it kind of changed how I looked at music a little bit. At, at that point, I was into a lot of, you know, fat records, epitaph punk. I was into a lot of thr- right. thrash metal, and when I right. got that record just by chance at a at a local record store, it came out on Initial Records, which I think was in Kentucky. Correct yes, Louisville. Yeah. Yep. So up in Indiana where I lived, I guess we got kind of a lot of their stuff because they were fairly, you know, regional, but, uh, right. but yeah, I bought that record cause I thought the cover looked cool and it really changed a lot for me, man. Like, like, especially, you know, the song in hope I'd never heard, mm-hmm. I'd never heard a band that could kind of get heavy and get crazy, do a nice, like, I mean, that song was, was a very touching song. I really, I really appreciate right.
1: that. Awesome, man. Thank you
2: so how was it uh i want to go back to the beginning i don't want to get into that i just want to tell you that quick story now the fan the fanboy stuff's (laughs) over
1: (laughs) i was i was wondering which part of that was supposed to freak me out i was like did he get it while he was watching me in the shower (laughs) i don't understand why that would freak me out
2: no i just (laughs) i i know that you know the the rest of the records kind of had a a broader appeal and a lot of people got them and they got you know fairly popular Mm -hmm. and when i when i tell people even you know that like boy sets fire like oh yeah my favorite record is the day the sun went out they kind of look at me a little weird (laughs) all right (laughs) but uh yeah I I want you to basically tell me I I ask all of my guests when they're first on the show you know music is something that you really have to be passionate for and you know what what kind of did it for you when you when you were growing up what what got you passionate about music and and made you think that it was something you wanted to pursue
1: um I think for the most part it was Growing up, both of my parents were musical. Uh, They both played guitar and sang. They still do. And um, they had a lot of albums. Uh, Now, the albums that they had were all either like 60s, 70s folk albums or uh, they were musicals. So it was a weird combination of stuff. Growing up listening to Simon and Garfunkel, Bob Dylan, and Man of La Mancha and Les Mis.
2: You know? <laughs> That's so, a crazy, crazy mixture, man.
1: It was a crazy mixture. so But it sort of speaks to the diversity of, you know, later just sort of liking music. You know what I mean? Yeah. And not really getting stuck in a certain hole of a certain style of music. So um, it's sort of, I had my horizons broaden at an early age, you know? Yeah. Um, so, uh, that, that was the first time that I started hearing this stuff and going, I want to do that. I want to make music because it speaks to me. It's something that, you know, it's hard. It's intangible. Like you can't really describe. Yeah music or what it does for you or why you go fuck yeah i want to sit in a van for 12 hours and do this to five people that barely give a shit like you know what i mean yeah yeah. and be excited about that you know so
2: (laughs) so when you when you found out that you was singing your first thing you wanted to do or were you a guitarist like what did you start with
1: I was definitely singing was my first thing. It was, um, that would, I mean, no matter what, I would say that that is where my talent lies. That's where my passion lies is in singing. It's what I've always been interested in. Uh, I've of course tried other instruments and now doing my solo stuff, I play guitar with that, but, um, but uh, and, and and not only that, but like, especially now with doing the solo stuff, I want to be able to do everything sort of myself. So I have like the ability to demo everything with like a bass and a guitar and I program drums, you know, stuff like that. So that at least you need to have a base understanding of these things in order to write a song. Yeah, you
0: definitely, know, definitely. So
1: um, so, yeah, but but my voice has always been what has been sort of who I am, you know.
2: So when Boy Sets Fire, Boy Sets Fire got together in 1994. How did that come about? Were you friendly with the guys already? I mean, were, how, mm-hmm. how did it, how did it work out for you when it started?
1: It, it was. Um... I was just telling the story today because Chad from Boy Sets Fire—it's uh, his birthday today. So I was telling somebody this story, but um,
2: I saw your Instagram the, uh, post. Yeah, yeah,
1: right, right, right. So it started with Josh and Chad. Now, now here's—it's a little bit more of a backstory, though. in that, okay, Josh and I's uh, parents were friends before we were born, so we were born into this friendship. Okay. Um, so we've been friends all our lives. Chad, I met in high school. Um, so. Having Josh as a friend and having Chad as a friend, and them not really knowing each other, but me sort of bringing them together, what then happened was Chad and Josh married sisters, wow, in this one family, and so they ended up hanging out a lot and um And so Josh and I had been in a band together. Chad and I had been in a band together, but all three of us had not been doing anything together. So Josh and Chad were hanging out and I was doing some other band without either of them. And, um, and I was, I was relatively miserable in the band I was doing. It just wasn't what I wanted to do. But, um, uh, the story is Josh and Chad were sitting on the front porch, hanging out at their in-laws house. And they were like, we should just start a band. Let's just start a band. And they sort of went through what they wanted to do, which was the direct opposite of pretty much every other band in Newark. They wanted to have a political and social message. They wanted to get out of Newark and tour. Um, and things like that. They wanted to actually be a band, you know. A lot of local bands in Newark, uh, a lot of the punk bands weren't necessarily political in any way, and they were also they didn't really get out of Newark.
2: Yeah, you know. Um, so was that political thing? Kind of, it was there from the start, then correct?
1: Yeah, yeah, okay. absolutely from the start. And so then they started sort of shooting back and forth. Okay, well, who do we get into this? And fortunately, my name was the first on that. It was like, well, we need a singer nathan yeah and um and so they gave me a call and i was stoked because i was in a band i was miserable with i was like hell yeah i'll quit right now let's do this (laughs) can
2: you you tell me a little bit about the band that you were miserable in like what it was was all about it was
1: well, it was uh, it's, uh, funny enough, I wrote like a little segment about this in a book that I put out called uh, Until the Darkness Takes Us, okay. uh, which is sort of an autobiography that I did, which you can get on Amazon, by the way. Check it and out on
2: Amazon. Amazon. Yeah, what what was the name of Amazon. it again, just so they know? Uh,
1: Until the Darkness Takes Us.
2: Okay, cool. Um,
1: so I did, funny enough, with I did a Nathan Gray collective album that was a companion to the book. Uh, it's a long story we'll get to it but okay, cool. anyway um so um i uh let's see what was the question again?
2: <laughs> tell me about the band that you were miserable in before yes, you joined yes, yes. voice that's fire
1: uh, yeah right, right i've done a lot uh <laughs> in my 46 years yeah so um I uh I was in this band. It was sort of like a melodic punk band. I would say sort of in the vein of like Sam I Am Green Day type of stuff. Okay. And um the music I dug, the music was fun, but um the people that I was in the band with, I just wasn't clicking with. Yeah. And uh there were there were just a lot of issues. Uh and they were we we sort of had a thing. Like there was like the Newark scene, it was very sort of apolitical to a fault yeah. to where it was just very ironic and very like if you had something political to say they're like oh god this crap you know <laughs> yeah. type of thing you know so me being in a band where i grew up on like 60s folk and shit like that and and punk like born against and shit like that i wanted to speak on certain topics and they were like oh that's so dumb like let's just think about drinking beer and chicks and stuff it's like god that's so dumb you know so we're both calling each other stupid and we don't want anything to do with it what the other one wants you know and uh so when chad and josh called me and we're like hey we want to do the exact thing you want to do well fuck yeah let's go do that
2: and they're and they're your best friends right exactly and my
1: best friends in the world so it's like yeah let's go do that so i can leave these assholes yeah (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> that, that's awesome, man. Yeah. So, uh, boy sets fire got started in 1994. Now that record that I was talking about the day, the sun went out, came out in 97 on initial records, yep. but you guys mm-hmm. did some things before that, some EPs and whatnot. How we was... did one
1: seven inch before that the consider seven inch.
2: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Was that on a label or was that self-released?
1: It, it was self-released and then initial re-released it.
2: Okay. Yeah. So in the early days of boy sets fire, Can you take me back to like, how were the tours like, you know, were you guys doing what I did when I was young, sleeping on floors and eating ramen? Oh yeah. like, how was it?
1: Oh, it was miserable. Yeah. It's exactly what everyone went through back then. Um, it was, I remember actually like, it was like a year or two in, Touring, I mean, you know, the tours like the six weeks to two month tours oh, yeah. across the U.S., starving. I remember the first night we made like a hundred bucks on merch and we were like, Whoa, my God, we're rich! <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was amazing, you know. But, um, but yeah, a lot of sleeping on floors. A lot of I, 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 it was funny. I remember we stayed at this one house in Ypsilanti in, uh, in Michigan.
2: Michigan. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> yep, And, uh, and I remember they were like, Okay, if you sleep in the basement, there's Black Widow spiders. If you sleep up here, there's like lice or something. And If you sleep outside, you'll get shot. Well,
0: yeah. Well, where the
1: fuck am I going to go? <laughs> like, you know, it's like, so, but it was, that was just, that was how it was. So you sort of had to pick, like, where are you going to go with that?
2: Dude, you know, I, but, when, um, when I was on tour one time, we were in Richmond, Virginia, and uh, mm-hmm. we were staying with these people. They came up to the merch table and they're like, hey, do you guys need a place to stay? Yeah. So we went to the house and they had seven dogs. And oh my god! they, like the people lived in the upstairs of the house and they gave the downstairs to their dogs. And it was uh-huh. the worst smelling place <laughs> I've ever, we were only there for two hours and bailed. We couldn't take right,
1: it. Right, right, right. Well, we definitely did that, done that before. Like I remember somebody having a stay at their house and it was like, I can't even remember. Like it was a weird little room off of their house or something that was like, it was like a a linoleum floor. Yeah no furniture in it, nothing, like, it was just a hard linoleum floor. Like, okay, w- yeah, we've got a good, uh, we're we're tired enough to, you know, it's too hot to sleep in the van, so, like, make it work for, like, an hour or two, and then we'll be, someone will be rested enough to start driving, you
2: yeah. know? <laughs> just oh, just yeah. a little pit stop.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 and there's definitely, I mean, back in the day, I mean, like early 90s, shit that you would never do now, completely irresponsible, like, okay, Who's the most sober?
2: Yeah. Who yeah.
1: can who can do this? You know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh, uh, it's like two in the morning. You're not puking. You drive like, you know, oh my God, it was so stupid. But like,
2: well, I mean, did you guys have those tours like I did before I started working with agents and whatnot, where you're you booked like a six month tour and you might have a show every four days? Yeah. So you've got to find oh, something to do with the rest down, of the too. time. Oh, yeah, yeah, the breakdowns. It's crazy. Yeah. Do you have any uh, like stories in particular from that time period that you'd like to share?
1: Uh, the only stories that I would dare tell okay. um, <laughs> would be uh, we had at least two um, vans whose engines caught on fire. Wow. With at least one of those times being I was asleep in the back. Everybody got out of the van, and all of a sudden somebody went, fuck, Nathan's back there. And <laughs> like came and woke me up and sort of dragged me out of the van. like and uh, I believe at that time, Matt, who was playing drums for us, Ran into like a lawyer's office, tore the fire extinguisher off the wall, and and hosed it down.
2: That's crazy, man. Did you guys yeah. ever leave anybody at a truck stop? We did that like four times. Oh
1: yeah. Oh <laughs> several times. Yeah. Oh my god. How many fucking times? I mean, and that wasn't just with the band tours. Even once we got up into the bus tours, man, there were times. Ty- I was especially- always
2: I was always super super worried about like when we'd stop on the bus. Like okay, well no one's really in charge oh, yeah. except the driver. So I'm gonna make sure I get my stuff and I get back.
1: Yeah, yeah, we we definitely had to set up like certain routines on how we would know everyone was there. Oh, you know what def- I mean? Def-
2: definitely, because
1: yeah. it would definitely be an hour down the road, and someone like had even left their phone on the bus oh, and yeah. had to figure out a way to call one of us from like a payphone in Germany. Like, you're <laughs> wow. like uh yeah
2: so that that brings up you said Germany that brings up something i I do want to you know get ahead a little bit here in a minute, but you guys have mm-hmm. done a lot of stuff, especially like even at the beginning, like in Europe and overseas. did you feel like the band was maybe well received over there a little bit better than in the states well actually the
1: the story behind that is uh one that I think uh it's it sort of the blame falls on us a bit uh and it was just there was no recovery after this but so we had gotten to a point where because we were just we we're road dogs, we we're out constantly. We had gotten everything to where like the states in Europe were pretty similar uh when we would tour. Yeah. Now, what happened is after we signed to wind up and we it was the not the first album, but the second out of like we were going to write misery index. OK, Um. So misery index obviously came out on equal vision later, but we were, we started to write it for wind up and it wasn't working. It wasn't working. And what happened is we passed up a bunch of tours Really, and we weren't, we weren't on the road for like two years. So in the States that's suicide. Yeah. You know, uh, now in Europe, it doesn't fucking matter if they like you, they like you.
2: Yeah. Because you you might only get back to one of those countries that once every two years, normally anyway,
1: Right, right, right. Exactly. So they don't care. That's fine. But in the States you're done yeah like uh so once we finally went out on the misery index once it came out and all that stuff it was like 10 people at shows wow like nobody cared and that was when we decided to break up for a while because it was like we're miserable this sucks i want nothing to do with this you know i don't want to rebuild again we've we've
2: screwed the pooch we're done <laughs> <laughs> so uh, correct me if i'm wrong you guys were on victory for a while correct uh yeah for one album for after the eulogy after the eulogy yeah and i, I wanted yeah. to talk a little bit about i mean i know there were like a couple splits or whatever between the day the sun went out and after the eulogy but that's mm-hmm. that's quite a like you guys the difference in the sounds in those records i mean not just the production but just like the songwriting in general like that's a big mm-hmm. leap like what yeah what, what went into recording and like writing after the eulogy <sighs>
1: I have no idea. (laughs) Like, uh, it's funny. I mean, if you go through all of our albums and it's sort of the thing, like when people review the albums, it's like, okay, here's another one. I don't know where they're going now, you know, uh, you know, and that's just how we've always been. I mean, we've got a bunch of different people in the band that have different like uh, musical tastes and shit like that. And it was, it was, it was sort of our thing. Like when we got together, and started with the screaming and singing stuff and the, you know, all that, it was, hey, look, we're going to write music. And however that comes out, that's what we're going to put out. We're not going to be like, oh, is it hardcore enough? Is yeah. it punk enough? Is it this? We're just going to be a band. And, and, and what was awesome is that the hardcore scene at the time completely accepted us and brought us in, you know? So, and from there, it was just sort of history. And we just kept doing what, came natural to us
2: well i just always loved the fact that you know the band that i loved when i got the day the sun went out then after the eulogy came out and there's a little bit more maybe hardcore elements more punk Mm -hmm. elements and i mean you take a song like in hope and put it up against a song like rookie like i love both songs but yeah there's a complete leap forward i think in some of that Mm -hmm. yeah
1: well you know it's really funny because we just did on our 20th anniversary i think we did this tour where we played uh, in Europe, we did like three albums, like three nights in a town wow. for three albums, like After the Eulogy, um, Misery Index, and Tomorrow Come Today. And what was really funny, After the Eulogy is not a heavy album by yeah. any stretch of the imagination. And I thought it was <laughs> like, we start practicing, I was like, okay, it starts out with After the Eulogy, and then I think like Force Majeure is in there. But other than that, it's Actually, a pretty poppy album. Like, <laughs> I was
2: like, "Oh, that's weird." Okay. It's it's a bit poppy. I mean, I can see the punk influence in that, and I always loved yeah, that yeah. because coming from my background of you know the kind of skate punk, fat record stuff, you guys kind of melted melted the two genres together for me, and I loved it. I thought it was right. great. Yeah, yeah. So uh you guys were on victory for that record. You signed to Wind Up. Did you mm-hmm. get any black like backlash or was it was it kind of weird oh, for yeah, you going of to the because they are yeah. they're a major, correct?
1: Yeah. The, well, they were. I I don't even know if they're really around anymore. Um the uh the guy that owned it, Alan died. Um, I don't know what happened. To everybody, a lot of people quit. I think it got sold to some company in Scotland or something. I don't know. But um, but yeah, I but here's the thing we got shit for every label we signed to. Oh yeah. It did not fucking matter. It it was initial victory wind up equal vision. It doesn't fucking matter. Anytime you signed to anything, it's a, um, it it was a fucking, you sold out. Yeah, I know. I sold out last time. Now, of course I'm doing it again. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Um, whatever. Like, but, um, the, the cool thing. Uh, so the wind up saga um we signed to them and it was in that you know when we sort of screwed ourselves and took way too long trying to write this album and you know it wasn't just our fault it was them too. going we don't hear the single blah 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 you know because it didn't come
2: out until 2003 correct
1: right 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 and so they didn't hear a hit blah 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 they wanted us to rewrite rookie basically and was like we're not going to do that so um but uh so We, uh, basically after all this bullshit back and forth and they were trying to get us to use writers and all that. So basically we were like a hardcore band stuck in that world fighting it. You know what I mean? Like we had gotten into it, but at the same time we were like, we're like, look, yeah, we'll get into this world, but we're going to do it on our terms, you know? So we're not going to get a writer. We're not going to do this, blah, 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 yada, yada. And, and, you know, it was, it was two worlds colliding. So I don't blame them one bit. And here's why, (laughs) Uh, because a lot of, I feel like a lot of bands when they leave big labels like that, and they have that situation, they have a lot of animosity towards it. But for me and, and us, we were like, well, we did it. We knew what was coming, you know? So we tried, we, it didn't work out. And at the end of it, when we got in touch with wind up and went, look, come on guys. It's not working for you. It's not working for us. Can you just let us go? And they did.
2: They let us out of like a million fucking dollars. That's crazy, man. I was going to yeah. ask you, you guys went to wind up from victory. Now, I've got a lot of friends that have been on victory. You know, Tucker from Thursday has been on the show. A lot of different yep. guys that have a lot
1: victory of victory was worse leaving.
2: Well, that's yeah. what I'm, I wanted to ask, like, how was that? Because normally, don't they like sign contracts for an amount of time? I don't know if it's always albums. Yeah. They're kind of a different kind of oh. beast.
1: Well, here's the thing. So so the funny story is we got one over on Victory by signing a one-off.
2: Really? Uh, I didn't yeah, even we, think that existed with Victory.
1: <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. And you know why? Because of us.
2: Because of you guys. Okay. Yeah, yeah.
1: So we were the hot item at that time. So all the labels wanted us, blah, 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 all this stuff. So we were able to negotiate our contract in a way that worked out solely for us. You know? Wow. Um, I can't so believe Tony was, was into that. <laughs> yeah, he had to be. He wanted us. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, it, was, yeah. it was one of those situations. It was a purely business situation where he was like, okay, if I want to put this out, if I want this in my catalog, I have to just sort of suck it up. Yeah. Now, 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 on the other end he screwed us on that and good on him in a way because he was like well you don't get a video unless you sign for more albums you know what I mean you don't oh, get God. this unless, you know what I mean so it was a back and forth on that but and and in that regard like that relationship despite being all toxic and businessy I can respect that kind of shit whatever I don't give a shit yeah. like sometimes you got to do business but uh, but at the end of it when we left Oh, my God. The emails from him about us being these horrible imperialist sellouts. It was like, dude, you realize you're Tony from Victory, right? (laughs) Dude, shut the fuck up. Like, oh, my God. You are the smarmiest motherfucker I've ever. Now, here's the thing. I didn't meet him until after we left the
2: label. You didn't meet him in person at all? Until you left? Well, none of us did never met him How, so yeah. he he just wanted the record that bad you guys yeah. didn't even yeah. like go to the offices mm-hmm. or anything
1: mm, well we did but he wasn't there that's
2: crazy man yeah yeah
1: so we met a lot of other really cool people there that we liked oh i know a lot but, of great uh,
2: people that worked at yeah. victory
1: <laughs> yeah uh yeah ton of people but um the uh so yeah funny though cuz after that it was it, then i met him at a show a while after that and I remember him like coming up to me, be like, Hey, how you doing? I'm like, Oh no, fuck. No, not now. And just walked away. You know, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, no man, we're not going to be buddies now. Fuck off. Like,
2: that's crazy.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: well, that's okay. So that's how Victor went down. So then when yeah. wind up, lets you out. Now I was, I was looking at some research, doing some research on you book. I know a lot about you, but I wanted to check some other stuff out. You guys were on, uh, what was it? Uh, the, I can't remember the name of the movie. You run a movie soundtrack. Daredevil. Daredevil. Yes. Daredevil. Daredevil. Yep. <laughs> I, I was, should have written it down. I try to do these yep. out, of my, out of my brain and it doesn't always work. No, it's fine. I remember. <laughs> so how, how did that all go? I mean, I was in a band called the Ataris um, and and the Ataris yep. had a couple songs on some different things. I'd like to hear your yeah, yeah. your outlook on how it went down. It said on, on on Wikipedia, it's like that was your your one gold record was the, the soundtrack. Yeah. Yep.
1: <laughs> I have a gold record. That's awesome, man. (laughs) Uh, With my name on it. And uh, it's that one. And here's the thing. It's a bittersweet situation because um, I am so angry at that movie yeah um i am a daredevil fan that is my favorite superhero in okay. the fucking world and that movie blew shit it yeah, was awful i, I did not Absolutely enjoy that movie fucking awful I, I,
2: that yeah. was what i was gonna say to you but i didn't know how yeah. you felt i was gonna say yeah i can't remember what the movie was it was that really shitty movie it was like a live
1: action version of a shitty cartoon it was so fucking bad yeah yeah and um and so i was like yeah man we're gonna be on it and there's a like we're on the soundtrack and also if you watch the movie the part where bullseye is in the plane and he's listening to something it's released the dogs
2: oh that's great man yeah
1: so you know that's sort of a cool part but i remember just getting to the end of it and going oh what a pile of shit are you kidding me (laughs) like and i was so excited like when they asked us to be on that, they were like, "Hey, we're going to be doing the soundtrack for Daredevil." Dare I it's like, "Fuck, are you kidding me? I lost my mind." <laughs> yeah, you know, because I hadn't seen it yet. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. But uh, and then we we're on it. So yeah, uh, you know, it's cool. Was that ben Affleck,
2: like, I, has ben Affleck? Is Ben Affleck playing? Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, so,
2: man, like, he's I lucky know. he gets to play Batman now. Like, what else dude, is he gonna play,
1: <laughs> dude? I hopefully nothing else. I don't <laughs> want him to destroy anything the fuck else. But, um,
2: I liked him in the Jay and Silent Bob movies. That's about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? But just fucking leave my favorite superheroes alone. Yeah. And that's the thing. I feel like Affleck is like following me because Daredevil and Batman are my favorites. Yeah. And he keeps fucking with them. Like, it's <laughs> like, does this dude, did I do something to him in a past life? And he's just coming back
2: at me. <laughs> How do you feel about this? This is off. This is kind of in that subject, but away from the music now. I'm going to age now, like I I'll be 40 in October. So you and I are fairly close. Yeah. And yep. I, I feel like they're co-opting my childhood, the, yeah. the movie industry and the TV industry. Like, I mean the one thing that really got me and I don't know how you feel about it, but one of my favorite movies of all time is the original point break nice yeah 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 i just yep. i was young and i i can quote lines from it i gary yep. busey was awesome keanu there were the, the the chili peppers are in it i mean it was awesome
1: yep oh they made sure to take a shit all over that one
2: yeah that, that new version is the yep. worst pile of shit i've ever Absolutely seen in my all. entire yep. life
1: mm-hmm. and they did it and you could tell they did it just for a quick buck just oh, yeah. to make money off of that like oh they're doing this again like no just leave it the fuck alone yeah it, it does And. What,
2: what, oh, and that, that what new ghostbusters saying? movie is a pile yeah. of shit <laughs> yeah 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 no i, I said it. something on facebook about that and somebody like hit me back and said oh you're being sexist i'm like no it's i don't care right. if they're women or men it's a pile of shit it's, there's a great right. cast it's, it's a horrible the story movie. story that sucks yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's and that's the thing like
1: i went into it It was funny because Chad and I were just talking about this not that long ago. We went into watching that movie uh, after hearing a bunch of people like, oh, it shouldn't be women, blah, blah, blah. So, of course, of course, we went into it going, well, fuck them. This is going to be the best movie I've ever seen. You (laughs) know what I mean? Yeah. And then it was like, was like, Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh no. Like (laughs) I wanted to like it. I wanted to, I wanted to like
2: it too, just because it's like, Oh, we get another ghostbusters movie. Awesome. Like in Bill Murray's cameo. Like I thought it would be great. It was not great.
1: And there were, and there were funny parts, you know what I mean? There were funny parts were great, you know, but the, the writing was just terrible. So.
2: And everybody, everybody that is associated with that movie, I mean, the cast, the writers, the director, they are great people that do amazing things. I don't know what happened.
1: Yeah. No clue. (laughs) No clue. Well,
2: I didn't know yeah. we were going to talk about Ghostbusters, but I like the fact oh. that you're into it. So
1: yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, we can we can nerd out all fucking day. That'd be fine.
2: man. As long as they don't touch the Goonies, I'm okay.
1: Yeah, no, <laughs> do not do that. No, 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 no. Oh, I I just heard recently that they're going to try to uh, do Jacob's Ladder. Oh and man! And I was like, I will, I will literally hurt someone. Yeah. Like if you go yeah. anywhere near that movie, that's you a can't great movie. Do that movie. Like it's perfect just leave it alone Don't i will i will run say off, that run off and do another superhero movie somewhere that's fine
2: the like new just, the new it movie was actually pretty cool did you see I, that d- i never saw it i never saw it i was really worried because i mean i'm a big stephen king fan i've read a lot yeah, of his yeah. books and, and mm-hmm. i saw i mean when i was young i saw the other movie but yeah then the new one's pretty mm-hmm. good i mean it's pretty right. scary and i enjoyed it so they're not ruining everything right
1: Right, right. Well, the thing is, what's funny is that I mean, it it was good because it's a good story. And I'm I'm talking about the one, the the older version. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. But but most, I'm gonna say 90% of Stephen King's books that go to movies are atrocious. Yeah, yeah. And and it's it's like the it's it's as if like he just doesn't care. Like it's like you you've got a ton of money. Why are you putting out movies that I mean just the quality of them is yeah. like like even even um Pet Cemetery which was good
2: the quality was kind still, of still
1: <laughs> like the quality it's like wow how did you put like $500 into this like what the <laughs> fuck like all right, and, oh, Sleepwalkers, which wasn't a great story to begin with. Dude, listen. Holy shit, that movie. <laughs> I, I,
2: I know, but Sleepwalkers, it holds a special place in my heart, though, and the funny thing is, I mean, I saw that when I was young, and I I, I thought it was kind of creepy, and it is a horrible movie when you watch it now.
1: Oh, it's abysmal bad.
2: But uh, It's embarrassing. I, I don't know if you listen to a lot of podcasts, but there's a podcast that I really like called How Did This Get Made? it's uh-huh. where they talk about bad movies and they have an episode right. about that movie and you really need to check that out
1: <laughs> i will definitely check that out
2: it's hilarious man <laughs> nice okay well let's get back to uh yeah yeah, yeah, to yeah, my yeah. guest. Right, right. I, I love that we were geeking out but let's get it back oh, yeah. onto to some other stuff yeah yeah good idea all right so uh when you guys you got off a of wind up they let you out of your big contract now yeah. did you automatically get into contact with uh was it equal vision yeah.
1: And I think it was fairly soon after that. I don't know if it was immediately, but it was like fairly soon after that, getting in touch with them.
2: And they were, I'm sure you guys knew them already and had a working relationship. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. 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 So it was a pretty easy, like, situation.
2: So they they released the Misery Index in 2006. And then you guys also that year announced your hiatus, correct? Or was it a breakup or was yeah. it a hiatus? It was at the time, it was a breakup. Okay.
1: It was, we were done. Um, in our minds, we were pretty made up that we were done. Uh, So basically the story is uh, we were exhausted. We were everything. We were sick of trying to climb the ladder. We were sick of trying to work at every fucking thing we did. We just wanted to play music. And it was just, uh, after doing this crazy, like six week U S tour coming home for a day and then going to a month in Europe. And like, plus like there was a lot of tension between us, us and especially me and our drummer Matt, uh where we just were not getting along at all, and so uh we broke up yeah and it was you know however many years later, five years later, when um everybody was sort of getting the itch to do it again, and I was like, "Oh fuck no, I'm not getting back in anywhere with that dude yeah um, and uh then. Matt and I got together. I think I helped him move from like his, uh, one of his apartments in Brooklyn or something. We sat down and we ate and we talked and was like, you know, let's just do it. Let's have some fun. Let's sort of let go of this tension we have with each other and just see, you know, see if we do it. Cause yeah. everybody's stoked. Everybody wants to do it. And I was like, all right, cool. Uh, I'll, I'll see. And I knew, I fucking knew what I was walking into but with with this dude. And, and, it was just like, but I was like, you know, I I love Josh and Ted, you know, and uh, Robert uh, was playing bass and stuff, and uh, you know, let's let's give it a shot. And it, it was pretty soon after we got back together and started touring, it ended up in a both Matt and I doing a it's either him or me type yeah. of situation, and uh, it was I ended up staying, <laughs> and um, yeah. uh, and it it was determined that you know whether he left or we kicked him out or however it is. I don't give a shit what the story is. Yeah. Um, but it was not going to work. It was just, we had grown apart in a lot of regards and I think everyone had it had, and, you know, Matt would probably have the same story as, yeah, good for them, but I don't ever want to talk to any of them again, you know, yeah. and, and same with us, you know, so, um, but that's, that's sort of a cool thing. I think sometimes is when you can get to a point where you don't actually have literal animosity towards somebody, it's more of just a, Oh, we're strangers. I don't care.
2: Yeah. Like, you know, I can see yeah. that. I mean, I think that would yeah. be better than actually harboring ill will towards someone. Yeah. Or yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's,
1: you know, we both moved on. We're good. And I can say, it's funny because I can literally say, I don't like that guy, but I don't, really care yeah you know it's like
2: it's one of those things like well Well, especially if it's a mutual dislike for each other (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly and and i can easily say that he probably hates my guts as well you know and and that's fine you know you're just not going to get along with everybody and even after years and years of being together it happens in marriages you know yeah where you just sort of grow apart and you just you you find out that it's like oh wait we are way too different like you know so
2: so you guys you guys got back together. The reunion, at least the notes that I have, were in 2010. Yep. But in the in the interim between those times when you broke up and then got back together, you did the casting out. Can you tell me a little yes. bit about that project? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I it was actually my first foray. It's funny because it was my first foray into trying to do a solo okay. thing. Which is sorta of funny because um it didn't it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> um I I I was like, I wrote some songs, and it is why, and I'm sure we'll come back to this, why Feral Hymns, the solo album, I reclaimed some of those songs from the casting out. It's because I originally wrote those to do them solo, and then I chickened out because I had been in a band for so long. I just didn't really know how to be a solo artist
2: well, it's got to be scary i mean you. it's terrifying when you're in a band you've got reasons. all these other people and then you get out on your own and if you yeah you live or die by what you do and you own it, right them. yeah yeah and and not only that so there's three
1: things aspects to it there's the fact that you no longer have this band backing you up that can sort of cover up mistakes you make yeah you know uh but also you know living and dying by exactly what you do and all that and at the same time there's this, um, this, uh, how do I put it? Like, um, you, like there's, there's a humility that you feel you need to have that you don't know how to navigate. Okay. So, so, okay. Is it douchey to put my name on an album like oh like it's just nathan gray like i feel like an asshole i know
2: like, there's a lot of people that i'm actually friends with that have had you know fairly successful solo things and they have the same thing like normally when they start out it, they call themselves a band or something because it is right it almost seems kind of douchey to have your name on a yeah shirt. and
1: like your name on t-shirts it's like yeah. oh god that's not their name like that's weird you're wearing somebody else's name and is that weird that i'm having them do that, like you know, like I just yeah, and you just go through a lot of conflict with that if you're a good person. If you're not, it doesn't matter to you. But you know, like if 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 you're trying your damnedest not to be a douchebag, you know what I mean? It's just like it doesn't feel right or comfortable at first. And you grow out of that because you start realizing that those are those are like internalized issues. Those are things that you have with you. No one else gives a fuck. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? No one else is thinking that. They just like, oh, okay, cool. He's going solo. So, of course, that's the name of it, you know? Uh, but, but for it's hard for someone, you know, especially growing up in the hardcore and punk scene, where there's like a forced humility... To accept a lot of things, yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, and and a lot's expected of you to be humble like that. Um, that you you sort of train yourself to be careful, and you still should. I think that it's important to have that humility, but don't let it be fake. Yeah. You know what I mean? Don't don't carry around a false humility uh, because, in essence, that's actually ego of you. Thinking that it matters to other people, you know what I mean? (laughs) So it's this conflicted, horrible thing. But anyway, so got it together, ended up getting a band together. And it was, you know, wrote wrote a lot of great songs, I think, and had a great time with it to an extent. But at the same time, uh, there were I was dealing with a lot of issues. And trying to move forward away from Boy Sets Fire. And there were a lot of member lineup changes and stuff within the band. And I think, honestly, a lot of that dealt with who I was as a person at that time, which was a very domineering sort of entity. Okay. You know,
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and I had not dealt with a lot of things that I needed to deal with in my own life. So I think that a lot of people that went through that band were finally just like, dude, fuck, this guy's running me ragged. I'm at done. Like, you know, like, um, so, you know, it was, it was a weird situation, but, um, and, and at the end it was like, okay, this has to stop, you know, and I need to move forward and do something else. Cause, uh, it just, it's not working,
2: you know? So when, when did you start, we'll get to it now, I guess, and then I'll ask you some mm-hmm. other questions, but you do have a solo record out now that came out in 2018 called Feral Hymns. Yeah. Uh, when did you kind of start working? I know you're always writing stuff, but when did that mm-hmm. kind of become, Hey, I'm just going to do this solo thing. When did that start? Uh,
1: it started. Okay. So our friend Oisey, who runs End Hits Records, which is the record company that Boy Sets Fire quote unquote owns. Okay. Um, uh, Oisey runs it for us. And uh, he's pretty much taken over that whole thing and does it all. And he's one of our best friends. He's my manager, Boy Fires' manager. He's just our other... He's like another member, you know, uh, of anything we do. Um, So I was sitting up one night and I was writing and, um, I was thinking, you know, well, maybe, you know, I'll I'll get into this again. I'll see what I can do because, uh, Boyz Fire is going to be around for a while. We're not going to break up. We're just going to play whenever we feel like playing, you know, but in the meantime, I would like to do something that's more fulfilling for me personally. Um, and, and that was thinking about doing a solo thing again. And, um, so I was sitting up and it was one night and I, I wrote Echoes. off of feral hymns that was the first song i wrote and i remember very vividly sort of losing it after i wrote that because that song is a very deep and personal song that came out sort of subconsciously as i was writing i was tired it was late and i wrote it and after i wrote it i was like oh fuck i can't put this out yeah this is very deep and personal, and it dealt with, and it deals with uh, sexual abuse that I faced in a church that I was in when I was a young kid, and um, and it was something that I had been working through through bands, through everything, um, to become the person I am now. So, when that came out, I remember I lost it. I was had a bit of a breakdown at that point, but I, I was like, I need to send this to someone to tell me if this is worth moving forward with and i sent it to oise he got back to me he was like okay i'm setting up studio time for you in i think he gave me three weeks wow. to write the rest of the album he was like i know you and this was the best thing he could have done and he knows he's been a friend of mine for like 15 years he was like i know if i don't put you on a schedule right now and get you in. You're going to chicken out and you're either going to not do it or you're going to get a band behind you and you're going to fuck it up. Yeah. Like he was like, he was like, what you just wrote and sent me is important and you need to focus on that and how to make that how you move forward. And, and I was like, okay, all right. I, I've got no choice, you know? And, um, and it, and it led to something I can't I feel like every tour, everything I do, I get in touch with him and I thank him. If he's not on the tour with me, because a lot of times he'll come with me. But uh, for for pushing me to do that, because it led me to, I mean, what this is, this solo experience, it's more than just putting out music. It's a a, a traveling... I don't want to say ministry. That sounds too churchy. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, it's, leave it, that out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not that. It's like, but it, but it is to an extent in that it is, um, you know, a lot of what I'm doing and talking about are deep issues that I work through, and that singing in front of people help me work through. You feel? Do like, you feel same, it's like
2: therapeutic for you to go out and do these songs?
1: Yes, very therapeutic, but not only for me, but also when you're doing a solo thing, you can stop a little and explain what you're talking about. Like storytell a little bit. Yeah, more, yeah. You yeah. know? And in that, what's awesome is that in a you know, in a room of even like fifteen people, percentages say that probably one of those people knows exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And has experienced this in their life. And despite the fact that in their head, they know that there are other people that have experienced this, this may be the first time anyone said it out loud in front of them.
2: So yeah, so it's helping other people as well. I think that's great. Right.
1: And that's what's huge about it is that I get out, I get to tell my story and I get to get it out. But at the same time, I have people afterwards confiding in me about things that have happened to them that just hearing someone say it made them feel a little less alone. Yeah, that's, you great. know, and and in that people are able to find happiness and happy people don't make other people miserable. True. So and and that's what I found about my own life. There was a portion in my life where I was so angry and upset about what had happened in my life, and I had no outlet for it, not, no honest outlet for it, um, that I was becoming miserable. I, and and in, that, in that anger and in that misery, I was making other people miserable. And that's why the world is in the mess we're in.
2: <laughs> I, I totally agree, man. I totally agree. Mm-hmm.
1: And the more people you can help set free and bring them to a place where they can finally find peace and happiness, the better everything's going to be.
2: That's great. That's great, man. I did I didn't really really think about that. I know that, you know, art helps people a lot and you, if you can kind of identify with someone and what you've gone through if someone else has gone through the same thing. But yeah, that's I think it's I'm really glad that he got you to record as well.
1: Yeah. It was it's it's been a wonderful experience so far. So
2: So you've done a lot in Europe once again though, because I see on Facebook mm-hmm. and I see places like it seems like you're always overseas. Mm-hmm. Now do you feel like some of that, you know, the, from Boy Sets Fire where you guys kind of fucked up and you went over mm-hmm. there, is it right. still that same thing or is it just because you've got so many fans over there, they really want the new stuff, they want the solo record? Yeah,
1: and, and it is that, and 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 this is, and, and even not just Europe, but German, Germany specifically, when Oisie and I sat down and planned out how we were going to do this, uh, it was like, well, we'll start in Germany. Because that's where your, your, your base is where your sort of cult following is, you know, go to those people first, because they're going to get it, you know what I mean, they're going to understand they're going to be the people that are most accepting and can, you know, sort of train you in what you're doing, you know, yeah. Um, in in, to an extent so now you know i did germany the next time i go over i'm gonna spread out a little bit more you know i'll go into budapest i'll go into other places in europe not only that but coming up i'll be doing a tour with um uh jack o'Shea from
2: bayside yeah jack's gonna Uh, be on the show next week actually awesome uh, Awesome. i was gonna ask you about that tour that's in november correct
1: Right, right. So we'll be doing stuff in the U.S. I'll also be doing a couple of things in the U.S. on my own. And so it's just going to be a building process, you know, of getting to the point. So uh, after uh, in the beginning of the new year, I'll be putting out a live album that I did and DVD. So people can sort of people who maybe weren't able to be at these shows can see what happens at a live show you know uh so there's a dvd and cd so for next year i'll sort of be touring on that you know what i mean to get people interested in what i do and then in 2020 i'll put out a new album which i'm already writing now um but uh yeah i mean that's that's pretty much it i'm going to be doing everything you know obviously there's a focus there in germany because that's Who's always supported me. Yeah. Uh, but I am going to be spreading out from there and and really trying to see where else I can sort of get a foothold, you yeah. know?
2: Yeah, definitely. OK, so uh, I don't want to take up a lot more of your time. We've been on the phone for almost 50 minutes. I mm-hmm. do. I do, however, want to ask what you're listening to currently in in, mm-hmm. in what you're like, what you're into musically right now that maybe would surprise someone or or, you know
1: um let's see i mean i would think that i mean like if you listen to any of the music that i'm doing right now it would probably be rather surprising what i've been listening to but (laughs) yeah uh i've really been into the new zeal and ardor album okay uh called stranger fruit which is a uh, it is somewhat hard to explain unless you hear it, but look them up, Zeal and Ardor. Okay. And uh, the album's called Stranger Fruit. Now, how this band got together is pretty interesting. The uh, The singer is uh, a black guy. He's from Switzerland, I believe. But he was on uh, a – and he's, a, he's an amazing musician, but I guess he was on some kind of uh, – uh, I don't know uh, – what's the word for it? Not a message board. That's so old. Uh, like, a, you know, whatever, a page of some sort. And he was asking people that were like fans of stuff he does, you know, what are two unlikely combinations to music? And and someone said black metal and someone else said something horrible, uh, said N-word music.
0: Oh, yeah. And
1: uh, And, but here's the cool thing. So this guy wrote, music that is a combination of black metal and old slave spirituals wow and they're all about rising up and killing master basically
2: that's awesome the
1: plantation down and it's fucking phenomenal like it's it's you can hear me saying what it is and you won't get it until you hear it like it's just the the way he blends the music is like uh, it blows my mind it's so good um but check that out because I, I I always listen to that when I go to the gym it's very it pumps you up and it's it's um, it's it's just it's just so cool to see someone put together art that you'd never think could go together and you'd never thought in a million years you'd ever hear it.
2: Yeah, you know it sounds awesome i want to check yeah it out.
1: And, and that it works you know what i mean because there are plenty of bands that do weird shit and it's like okay i get it you're being weird to be weird you know but but with this it was more like fuck oh i see exactly how that works wow like yeah i wouldn't have been able to do it but sure but um so that is one of the albums that i listen to constantly um and then besides that uh i, I listen to a lot of keaton henson who's a great artist um i listen to converge a lot i I listen to music a lot when i'm at the gym so a lot of stuff that i'm gonna say is gonna be like well that sounds nothing like what you're doing (laughs) but
2: converge is always good though man
1: yeah yeah especially you fail me which i think is probably the best album they've ever done in their lives awesome uh and anybody can argue me, me if you want but that album is passionate as fuck you know yeah um but because I've never been a tech guy, so some of their albums that get too tacky. I'm like, eh, you know, it's yeah, not yeah. really my thing. Good for them, and that's great, but it's just not my thing. So that album was like, it's like, fuck yeah. Um, but uh I try to think of some other stuff. any, that I any guilty to.
2: pleasures that would like blow someone's mind?
1: <laughs> um yeah, actually. So here's here's one of the funnier things that I've been listening to recently. Uh, so there's the. OK, I'll preface this. I was at Disney okay. and uh, with with the family. And I kept hearing in this one section that we're in this music. And it was very. um like, uh, had a lot of like, it sounded sort of African influence and there are bongos and like sort of, it almost sounded medi- like a uh, meditation music okay. almost, but it kept drawing me in cause there was something to it. And, uh, it was this album, uh, Nada Sanhara and Kevin Courtney, and it's called the Brooklyn Sessions volume one. And if you listen to it, you'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? <laughs> it's like... It's all, it's very laid back, uh, very just like, it's music. It's, there's no lyrics, there's no singing in it. It's all music. And it's just, it's something that I listen to that's very calming and peaceful, but at the same time has sort of this, it, it's almost like, uh, like if you, if you listen to this, will destroy you, those type of bands. Yeah. It's like that, but not so cool okay okay it's it's a lot less cool it's like it's like if your dad listened to that kind of music you know it's like so uh but uh but that's uh, that would be one of the guilty pleasures especially since i i found out about it because it was the soundtrack to something at disney you know so it's it's very uncool but it's i like it so
2: Okay. So the last thing that I will ask you then, and I'm a big traveler. I've been to close to 60 countries in my life. Uh And I know that you've been all over Europe and Australia and different places. So where is maybe your favorite place or at least, you know, a top five place that you have gone and what's maybe a place you wouldn't want to go back to?
1: Um, I think always, uh, our, our home base as boys that's fire and as me, Uh, has always been cologne in germany okay and it's just been that way forever and i don't know why and i don't care to ask i just enjoy it it's a beautiful Uh,
2: beautiful city man
1: it's a beautiful city it's a wonderful place and every time we go there and i mean this is from the get-go like i remember it was like in like our first or second tour over there and we had two nights sold out in Cologne. Wow. You know? Yeah. And it was just like, you know, it's always been there for us. It's always been a great place. Uh, I wouldn't say there's anywhere I'd really rather not go to. (laughs) I think I'd, I'd like to go anywhere, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I mean,
2: okay. How about is there, is there a place you really want to go that you haven't been yet? Like maybe a bucket list place. Um, with or without music just you know just yourself or playing music i think
1: it'd be i think it'd be cool to go to south america okay i've never been there and that would be a cool place to go but how many times did you guys have to play that uh don henley cover (laughs) uh well here's wait wait wait, no wait wait here's my question did you ever have to play it more than once in a night
2: we didn't have to there was one there was one (laughs) night where we did it just to be funny Right we, we right, kind of right. like we were playing this college in like the final countdown right yeah, yeah we were playing some college in uh in Pennsylvania somewhere like state college or somewhere and we ended up uh-huh. we ended up playing it at the beginning of the set and at the end of the set <laughs> nice <laughs> but uh but yeah that song i don't know man that song we had to we there was a couple of times where we tried not to play it and people kind of got edged a little yeah. bit so we actually, yeah. we had to do yeah it.
1: yeah yeah <laughs> i awesome. had to ask that before we got off the
2: phone no that's that's great man well hey i'll tell you what i've enjoyed talking to you thoroughly um when you do have you know another tour coming out or you have another new record mm-hmm. coming out let's do a part two man we'll talk about some more i would stuff. love to yeah that'd be great man absolutely thanks so much yeah thank you so much and uh have a great night and have a great tour with jack in november jack's coming on next week so i'm sure we'll talk about that as well right on man sounds great talk to you later nathan thanks man all right buddy take care so there it was, my conversation with Mr. Nathan Gray from the band Boy Sets Fire. As I was doing my intro, I found out that today my buddy Shane over at Lead Singer Syndrome dropped an episode with Nathan Gray as well. So I guess this is Nathan Gray Day on in the podcast world. <laughs> but uh, go over and support Shane over at Lead Singer Syndrome and all of the other podcasts on the Jabberjaw Media Network. They're wonderful people, and uh, you should support them and show them some love. Uh, Shane's actually going to be on my show very, very soon. We're trying to figure out a time right now. I've got some other really great guests coming up next week. As I talked about in my conversation with Nathan, Jack O'Shea from Bayside is going to be on the show. And I've got some other things in the works. I can't really talk about yet because it's not confirmed. But uh, that's it. That's today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I'm doing well. It is uh, 1232 in the a.m. and I am hanging out in my podcast little studio makeshift room and I'm going to get ready to go watch some TV and fall asleep. So that's what I'm doing. But uh, I hope you guys are doing well. Thank you very much for letting me into your life and going on this journey with me. I love doing this podcast. It's just a lot of fun and it's cool that you guys care. And there's a lot of you guys out there. It kind of freaks me out a little bit sometimes, but I'm going to keep putting out the content. You guys keep listening. Please tell a friend, tell whoever, spread the word. Let's blow this thing up. But I'm going to leave you with a couple songs. Uh, First song I'm going to leave you with is a song called Echoes. We talked about it on the podcast. It's Nathan's solo project. And then the second song I'm going to play is my favorite Boy Sets Fire song it's a little calmer than some of their songs but it's on the day the sun went out their album that came out on initial records back in the day and the song is entitled In Hope so we'll see you guys next week with Jack from Bayside until then stay safe and uh, if you want to hang out or talk or whatever hit me up there's a million ways to do it so uh, here we go Echoes and then In Hope see you guys thanks (laughs)
1: lot of the media like I do not care what the Kardashians are doing I care what these guys are doing that you're interviewing and I just want to say you're doing a great job and keep up the good work keep up the good guests see you later man well hey friends my name is Zach Lupiton you may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road